Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. I love how Pastor Ed has initiated this year. Uh, into faith um, we go as a church to take steps of faith. I think it's like perfectly fitting for this year. I don't know why, but it just seems like uh, collectively uh, a lot of us have just been able to jump on board and just respond and just grab a hold of that idea uh, to take steps of faith. Um, It is difficult. It is hard. And so I kind of want to springboard off of that tonight. And so tonight's message I've entitled Going Deeper going deeper. A little bit about myself. Um, I've been a Christian now for almost uh, 28 years. Um, I was saved at a Harvest Crusade in Anaheim, California, and uh, I started attending Calvary Chapel Downey. That was the the first year as being a Christian. That's where I met Pastor Ed and had an opportunity to connect with him and and, uh, serve alongside with him. way back and, and when he was doing his home Bible studies. That was, it was so neat to, to be able to hang out with him and get to know him. Um, but within a year, I got married, moved to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And for there, uh, during that time, um, I served, uh, learned about uh, what it means to be a part of the men's ministry, and I got involved right away. I was there serving for about 17 years in the men's ministry. Uh, and then I started to uh, take the skills that God gave me in playing guitar and learned how to lead worship. And, and God started opening up opportunities for me to lead worship in many different ministries. That was uh, so wonderful. It was such a blessing. Um, and, and then got to serve in different ministries. In 2009, uh, we ended up moving out here. My job opened up an opportunity at uh, Costco Sheridan. So I got a chance to come out here and finally fellowship with you guys and, and connect with uh, Pastor Ed once again. And so it has been a long journey um, serving alongside um, Pastor Ed or just serving in the ministry and then getting a chance to come back here. So here I am. Um, every once in a while I get a chance to fill in with worship, fill in to teach. Currently me and my wife were serving in a children's ministry, um, teaching the kindergarten and first graders. That is fun. I got to tell you, um, the conversations that we have with those little guys are, is amazing. From, hey, can you see how long I can stand on one foot? And they just stand there. They're just holding their one foot. And, all right, cool, you know. And then another one will come up to me and say, hey, guess what? Yeah, what's going on? My dad, he's got hair under his arms. <laughs> all right. That means he's a man, right? And he's like, yeah, he's a man. These are the conversations we have with these little ones. And uh, my wife and I, we get to put a little curriculum together and pour into them. And I got to tell you, it is fantastic. And I see one of them right there that's inside our classroom. Hi. <laughs> Don't mean to embarrass you. Sorry, sweetie. Um, and uh, it's just fun. And so that's what um, I'm involved in right now uh, because of uh, uh, 
Christmas and a lot of the holidays that were going on in the year, I pulled away from leading worship. It is coming up again. I'm able to get back into the routine of things, and so I'm looking forward to, at the end of this month, getting a chance to uh, lead worship. Um, and so, tonight, going deeper. <laughs> My wife shared that with, uh, um, with A.B. today. He had asked, what's the, uh, what's the message about? And uh, she said, it's going deeper. And A.B. responded, ooh. <laughs> and she kind of like had this idea, like you're hearing the music of Jaws. Dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun. And it's, you know, I don't want it to be intimidating, but, but truly, when Pastor Ed said, can you, you know, I asked him, what would you like me to share? He says, just share whatever you're, what's on your heart, whatever you're passionate about. And it is something that I'm very passionate about. I'm, I'm passionate about coming alongside and, and being an encouragement. I'm passionate about hearing what's going on in your life and saying, let's pray about that. I'm passionate about getting God's word and saying, we can do this because God has said it. Not because I can muster up all the strength and all the knowledge and, and dig back to the resources of my upbringing and what I lay all that stuff aside and I say, this is what God's word says because Again, He is God and we're not. And we can trust in Him. And that's what I am passionate about. And so that is what the message is going to be about tonight. Going deeper. Going deeper in our faith with the Lord. Last Wednesday, uh, Pastor Clay Camp shared a really great message in um, Luke chapter 5 about Peter and did that character study about Peter. And, and I want to also kind of springboard off of that a little bit to just kind of set the stage of the direction that we're going to go tonight. As you and I commit our hearts to the Lord, He takes us on this journey to experience life as He has intended for us, a fullness of life. You know, Jesus said, I've come to, and to give you life more abundantly. We're to trust Him, not in ourselves, but in the promises of God. And on this journey, the Bible tells us that God will test our hearts to see the genuineness of our faith, that we might go deeper in our relationship with Him. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And the purpose of these tests is not to um, see us fail and then to point that out, but it's that we will become more dependent upon Him. It's to teach us that His way is better, more of the Lord and less of ourselves, to live a life of faith, abandoning the old life that was governed by our flesh and making choices that reflect His heart and taking a stand for truth. Because Jesus said regarding God's word, thy word is truth. And we need to believe that as well. We need to take that to heart. His word is truth. Not mine and not anybody else's, but his word is truth. And so God takes us through tests. And these tests from God happen on a moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year basis that we might go deeper in our relationship with him. And so last week, as Pastor Clay Camp taught about Peter and that character study, if you didn't get a chance to be here or listen to it, I encourage you to uh, go onto our website and, and listen to it because it was a fantastic teaching. 
but he taught how Peter was, uh, how God was taking Peter from a relationship of respect to a place of worship and surrender, from calling him master, which means teacher, to a place of calling him Lord. You see, Peter heard of the things that Jesus was doing, the teaching, the healing, the miracles. He even witnessed Jesus heal his mother-in-law from her fever. But up until then, Peter only saw Jesus as a teacher and not as Lord, as someone doing amazing things, a religious man, but not Lord. And maybe that describes you tonight. Maybe some of you here tonight, you have a respect for religious things. You have a good idea of what spiritual things are. For God, you have a a desire. For Jesus, you have a desire. But currently, He's not your Lord. Well, I pray that tonight God's Word will stir your heart. Stir your heart to find faith in Jesus as He seeks to be the Lord of your life. Or maybe tonight you're here and you're in a relationship with Him, but it's not as tight as you would like for it to be. You're leaving too much room for the world to affect your choices. You're leaving too much room for the world to affect your judgment because of what you've allowed in your life or the things that you find yourself trusting in instead of total dependence on the simplicity of God's Word. Well, in Luke 5, if you remember, if you were here, Peter was getting set up by God to go deeper. The scene is arranged so that Peter fishes all night long and he catches nothing. And a little side note, when things don't turn out the way we would hope they would, it doesn't mean that we failed. It doesn't mean that things were messed up and, and, and something went wrong. Consider that God is wanting to do something in your life and wanting to take you on a journey with him to go deeper. Jesus sees Peter's boat that was empty. The crowd is coming and is pressing up against Jesus to hear the word of God. If you remember from the teaching last Wednesday. And not only does Jesus see the multitude on the shore, but he also sees Peter. His boat is empty, and he takes that opportunity as he sets everything up to take Peter in a deeper relationship. And as the story continues, Jesus asks Peter to push him out a little so that he can teach. Peter's there. He's hearing Jesus teach. And that image that we see of Jesus telling Peter to push him out a little kind of gives that, that image and that idea of us as baby Christians. That once we've committed our life to the Lord, He tells us to put out a little. And we go out there and we, we take steps. We test the water of faith in the Lord. And we begin to see the benefits of that. And it, it's kind of cool and it's kind of exciting to know our sins are forgiven as a new Christian. 
to know that we're right with God, to know that we have the hope of heaven. All of these things excite us, and we're trusting in that. We don't know anything about the Bible. We don't know anything about Jesus, but we made that commitment, and we're experiencing the fruit of that commitment of when he called us to go out a little. And there's that image. We've been freed from guilt. We've been freed from shame. But God doesn't want us to just stop right there, to remain as baby Christians. But he wants us to go deeper in our relationship with them. He's interested in our growth and our development bearing fruits of righteousness, being transformed each day and conformed into the image of His Son. So Jesus calls us to go deeper, to trust Him at His Word, no matter if things don't make sense. And we see that image of going deeper in Peter's life so clearly when Jesus says, after teaching the multitudes, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He tells Peter, you obeyed me in that little part. Now let's go deeper. Let's go deeper and let's let down our nets. Don't miss that. Not just the one net, but let's let down the nets for a catch. You know, again, he's taking them deeper in his relationship. Peter had a choice to make, to obey Jesus or come to his own conclusions, pack it up, and go home. Peter makes the right choice, and as a result, his relationship went deeper than he ever expected. Because the Bible tells us at the end of that story that he forsook all, and he followed Jesus. But there's, there are many Christians today who would rather compromise, to take the easy road, or just plain give up instead of going deeper because it's too hard, because it doesn't make sense, or it alienates me, causes me problems. It's not the safe route or because I'm not in control of my circumstances. I don't get to have the final say or do, do things on my terms. And because of this unnecessary pain, heartache, difficulty, and frustration plague the life of the believer, even to the point of many turning away from God, no longer walking in the faith, no longer going to church, no longer fellowshipping, distant, marriages completely wrecked or divorced, a sad end to a glorious redemptive story. But this doesn't have to be your story, and this doesn't have to be my story. You've heard many times Pastor Ed has shared while he's at this um, pulpit of how he would look out into the crowd and he would remember seeing certain people who have been attending this church for many years no longer sitting in the seats where he used to see them, all because of a disagreement, all because of compromise in their life. And then when the council comes and the word comes, they make a choice and they say, you know what, that's too hard for me. Packing up and I'm out of here. And they're no longer attending. They're no longer sitting in those seats. I remember several people, not only in this fellowship, but in Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, knowing these are people that I have 
had deep conversations with, intimate things about the Lord, and then all of a sudden they're just believing something completely wild, just mixed truth, or even completely abandoned their faith. I know a particular person who used to come here to this church, no longer fellowship with them. He's on the road to divorce, and it's just a sad, sad story. And this is a brother that, again, served alongside. I I just can't believe it. I, I don't understand it. but I don't want to be that kind of story. And, and my desire is that you would remain as well in your relationship with the Lord, and you would go deeper. You would be like Peter, Peter, not just enjoying the benefits as a new Christian, but go deeper when God challenges you with something, and you take that step of faith. Even though it doesn't make sense, you don't understand, I'm going to trust in God's Word. Because God is going to sustain you, He's going to keep you, and He's going to help you through whatever difficulty you find yourself. Which brings us to our section of Scripture tonight. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Let's pray. And so, Father, we do thank You, and we do pray, God, that Your Word would challenge our hearts tonight to go deeper, that Your Spirit would teach us and that we would, we would rest in your promises. We would rest in your decision for our life. And that you would see us through not to focus on the problem, but to get our eyes fixed on you. That in our weakness, God, that you would become our strength. And that our rejoicing would be found in the midst of difficulty. Because, Jesus, you are worthy. Thank you for what you're going to do tonight and, and how you're going to challenge us in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. So this is Paul's second letter that he's writing to the Corinthians. He's expressing his heart, his desire to see the believers also go deeper in their faith. Paul's the one who founded this church on his second missionary journey, He spent a year and a half teaching them, but after leaving, he soon learned that the church was experiencing serious problems, division, sexual immorality. The leaders were filled with pride and improper handling of legal affairs with one another. His first letter was direct and to the point on many of these issues. But the second letter is more toned down, like a spiritual father yearning for growth and maturity in their faith. That's my desire for my kids, for my boys. One's 15, one's 12, and one's 9, and my desire is to see them grow. I didn't become a Christian until I was 22 years old. And up until then, I lived my life for myself and for the world. Movies is the thing that taught me how to live life and, and what truth was. When I became a Christian, my eyes were opened. It was so amazing. It was, it was like putting on spiritual glasses and seeing the world for truly what it was. And I thank God for that. And He's helped me along the way. But now that I have 
kiddos in my life, I want to hand that over to them to avoid some of those pitfalls, to help them to go deeper in their relationship with the Lord. And so Paul, with this yearning for growth and maturity, he writes this letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. I only want to focus on just this one verse tonight. I believe that it's packed with a lot of just great stuff that God wants to speak to our hearts tonight. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Paul writes, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. I just want to share a few things, a few things of insight that I gathered from this section of Scripture and just share with you tonight. First, let's understand that this verse truly belongs in the previous chapter. You see, the original writings, they were written in um, a continuous method. There were no breaks until you got to the end of the page, in a sense. Chapters weren't introduced until around the 1300s, and then verses around the 1500s to kind of help us navigate through the Scriptures a little bit more easily. And many Bible scholars believe that verse 1 of chapter 7 is a continuation of chapter 6. So when it reads, because we have these promises, it refers back to the previous Scripture references that we see in chapter 6, specifically in verses 16, 17, and 18. And so let's look at that. Verses 16, 17, and 18 In referring to these promises we find in verse 1, it reads, As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then he continues, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. If we consider these promises, if we consider them in the entirety of the Scripture that we have before us, It causes us to recognize the blessings that come from the Lord and the surety that we have in Him. Peter would write in 2 Peter 1, verse 4, the New King James Version says that we have exceedingly great and precious promises. And so what promises are dear to you? What promises are dear to me? Paul is trying to bring this to the forefront of their minds, that it's the promises that cause us to go deeper as we trust in them, the promises that we have from God. 
I know you have many promises that you've taken heart. As you've read through the Scripture, there's a particular verse that has stood out for you and you just held on to it. Paul is sharing with them about in this relationship that we can have a God who loves us, who will live among us, and who will be for us, that He'll be our Father, He'll call us sons and daughters. Notice that Paul says, because we have these promises. Another translation says that God has given us such promises. And another translation says, because these promises are ours. Basically, the idea here is they're already for us, these promises. And we're talking about the entirety of the Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The Bible is filled with promises that God has given us. I love the fact that the translation that says, because um, these promises are ours. And Paul is trying to say the very same thing to these uh, Corinthian believers. You have got promises to help you go deeper in your relationship with Him. You have the promises. We have these promises. They are promises that should cause us to respond in devotion, in thankfulness, and surrender. Promises that should cause the Corinthian believers also to trust in God and go deeper. The second thing that I want to point out in this verse, we see Paul's heart in, in it. He calls them dear friends. And again, another translation, we see it translated as dearly beloved. There was a tenderness in Paul's heart that we see here in this writing to the Corinthian believers that I think that we can learn a few things from. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, that love covers a multitude of sin. Even though there was um, much room for growth in their walk, that there were things that they needed to get rid of, that there were things that needed to change in their life, Paul loved them. Paul could see their challenges. Paul could see what they were going through. But in the second letter, he's not coming down hard on them. Again, like a spiritual father, lovingly penning the words to just pour out his heart. I think many times that we as Christians, we're too quick now that God has given us spiritual discernment to see right from wrong, that we're kind of quick to just point out what the problem is in that Christian and go, man, they need to be walking better with their, their life. They need to make sure that they're choosing their words better. Now, that might be a correct assessment, but it's not for us to judge. God's the one who judges. What's our responsibility? If we're to have the same heart as Paul, we should be praying for one another. We should be lifting up one another. We should... You understand that all of us are in a battle, right? All of us. We're all going through the same challenges. We have an enemy. We have somebody that's coming against us to, to try to cause us to trip up, to eventually pull away and no longer trust in God's promises. Paul expresses that, that heart, again, of a spiritual father by saying, beloved or friends, as he's addressing them. And I pray that we would do the same. 
that we would find ourselves addressing one another, not as, hey, brother, oh, my gosh, did I see this guy you know, say this or, or, or share this or, or talk like this, and we're, we're thinking about this in our mind, but we should be really just pouring our heart in prayer. When we hear them struggling and going through something, hey, let's pray about that right away. Let's turn it over to the Lord. He's the one who can change. He's the one that can help. We need to have that same kind of heart when we have that discernment. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, shines a light into Paul's heart for the Philippian believers. Very similar to this. Um, let's turn there real quick just so that we can kind of read that because I think it's, it's so important. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And he says as he's writing to the Philippians, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. For you have been, in my, uh, you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both of my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. That's that same attitude as he's writing to the Corinthian believers. Again, knowing everything that they've gone through, knowing their faults, knowing where they're at, he's now pouring his heart and he's saying, hey, friends, hey, beloved. And I think that that's something that we, we can learn. When we think about that one friend or that one Christian that we know that is struggling or is going through a difficult time and maybe not acting the way they should, pray for them. It's interesting that when we pray, it changes our heart. The next thing I'd like to point out in this verse back in Second um, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, we see Paul includes himself on this quest to go deeper. Paul includes himself on this quest to go deeper. Notice he doesn't say, you horrible Corinthians, grow up. But rather he includes himself. As we read it, it says, because we have these promises, dear friends. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. He includes himself. Paul understands that he needs to embrace God's promises as well. He needs to cleanse himself from the things that defile the body and spirit. He needs to work toward complete holiness as well as the need to fear God. As much as Paul was a key figure in the establishment and the pro progress of the early church, he had a healthy perspective of his position before God. He was a sinner saved by grace, just like you and just like me. The Bible tells us, for by grace we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift. There's nothing that, we're, that we can stand on. There's nothing that we can puff up our chest and say, I'm where I am because of this. It's because of God's grace. 
Paul at one point calls himself a blasphemer, ignorant to the things of God and the chief of sinners. If we are to go deeper in our faith, we need to understand God is again on the throne and we are not. The next thing I'd like to share with you is we find in in this section of Scripture Paul telling the Corinthian believers, he says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. That word there, cleanse, can be described as cutting away. That when we cleanse ourselves, there is a cutting away. It's best described in John 15 when Jesus talks about the relationship between the vine and the branches. Where he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes And that's that word right there for cleanse. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. There's a cutting away, the cleansing in our lives. And so the question comes up for us as Paul was putting to the Corinthian believers, what needs to be cut away in our life? What is it that we need to be cleansed from. Jesus would say in Matthew 5.30, and if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is a drastic illustration that I believe needs to happen in order to deal with sin. We have to get radical with the sin in our lives. A responsibility, Paul says there, that we have to do. The problem is, is that when it comes to our responsibility, it becomes really difficult, doesn't it? The reality is that it's not. I mean, God's Word is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty true. I mean, you can read it, and it's really easy to understand I think the problem is is that we make it really difficult in the process of saying, now, how do I do this? Even though it's been laid out and it's very simple. We see this in the life of Naaman, the commander of the king's army in 2 Kings chapter 5. When we look back at that story, he was a mighty warrior, but he had a problem. He was stricken with leprosy. And there was a young girl from Israel. I'll just try to condense this into a a quick little story. There was a young girl from Israel who encouraged uh, uh, Naaman to visit the prophet Elisha in Samaria that he might be healed. And so he went to see Elisha, but his remedy to be healed didn't make sense to Naaman. Because the prophet told him to go into Jordan and dip himself seven times and he would be healed. And Naaman became very angry because, you know, he's this mighty warrior. He's very successful. Again, he is the commander of the king's army. And he wasn't about to go into the Jordan River. The Jordan River, if if you're not familiar, 
it's pretty dirty. It's pretty gross. It's green, as a matter of fact, when we got baptized last year. It is cold. It's not a fun place. It's not like a spiritual clean water that we have when we get baptized here. And so clearly he's saying, wait, I'm this mighty warrior. That doesn't make sense to me. Go dip inside of dirty water. I'm not going to do it. And he resisted. And yet the direction was pretty clear and pretty simple. This is what you got to do. You see, we have a hard time with that, hearing that from the Lord. You know, we have a, a very powerful word in our power, excuse me, powerful word in our vocabulary. It's only two letters. N O. No. No, I will not do that. No, I will not say that. No, I will not go there. No, I will not talk like that. No. But yet, we have a hard time with that word. Two letters. To say no. To hanging out with that group. To say no from associating ourselves with that kind of language. I've been at Costco for, gosh, I just celebrated 33 years at Costco. And the whole time that I've been there, there's been tremendous opportunity for me to backslide, for me to say, this is too hard. I'd rather just hang out with this group of people and just have fun, so-called, and be involved in these things and connect and not feel alienated. But the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind to be able to say the word no. It's not that hard. Anybody want to try it? Just say it. No. It's pretty easy. No. I had a brother come up to me several years ago when, when, and I might have shared this last time when I was in the men's ministry, and he said, bro, I'm just really struggling with pornography. I'm really having a hard time with, with not, not doing that and not going there, and, and I just really need help. And he was really looking for the formula, the answer, what to do. Do you know what I told him? Say no. What? Yeah, just say no. That's what I do. I say no to that. I say I'm not going to go there. That when a pretty girl comes by, I see it, I recognize, hey, that's God's child. Boom, and you turn away. You don't look at, you don't keep looking. You don't assess the situation. You say no. Oh, I don't know, that's, that's pretty hard, really. It isn't that hard. Because guess what? We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to give us the ability to say no. We can say no to these things and have victory. That's the difference now that we're Christians, folks. It has changed our lives. But not only do we get those benefits of knowing that my sins are forgiven and I'm right with God, I'm going to heaven, but I can say no now and please God. I don't have to walk in the flesh. I don't have to look upon things that is going to cause me to pull away from the Lord. Naaman finally received that instruction and said, they basically said, what do you got to lose? Just go dip inside that that river. And so he does. And what happens? After the seventh time, seven, the number of completion, he comes out and his leprosy was healed. It's amazing. He just had to be obedient to God's word. 
we need to do the same. We need to be able to say no. Back to chapter 7, verse 1. He says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And so, what is it? What is it that we find ourselves that can cause a defilement of our body and spirit? Well, again, remember, this is a continuation of chapter 6. And if we look in chapter 6, it talks about that. In verse 14, it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And yet, you and I at times can make things really difficult. It can't be that simple. Yeah, you need to separate yourself from those things. Now, remember, Jesus didn't say completely pull yourself away so that there's no effect and that there's no gospel being preached. Otherwise, guess what? None of you would be here. I wouldn't be here if somebody wouldn't take a step and share the gospel in the midst of these things. But what the Bible teaches is don't let them become your friends to where you're hanging out to where it begins to corrupt your actions. It begins to change the way you think. You always have to have the furtherance of the gospel in mind when you're around unbelievers. The furtherance of the gospel. So that no matter what happens to your life, no matter what a consequence happens or a problem that arises, any comments towards you that kind of, ah, oh, they kind of sting for the furtherance of the gospel. You have to have that as, as the motivation as to why you're doing what you're doing. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I go to some convention that has a bunch of burlesque girls there. I am not going to have that kind of ministry. God has not called me to that ministry. But there's so many wonderful ministries that are out there that God has called people to that we pray for them, empower them, give them the strength, give them the words to speak to be able to share those things that they wouldn't compromise in the process God is calling the Corinthian believers. Paul is declaring to them, don't team up. Notice the words. They're like words of fellowship. Don't be fellowshipping with them to the point where you become. And it's pretty clear, and it's, but they're so strong. How can light live with darkness? I mean, it's a pretty simple truth. How can it? It can't. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And so Paul tells them, this is the remedy. You need to separate yourselves from these things. You have to make choices in your life. I'll give you a perfect example, up to date, current event that has happened. Anybody watch the Super Bowl? I'm sure many of us watch the Super Bowl. It's a pretty big event. I have to tell you that for many years in my Christian walk that... Um, God has consistently been faithful in keeping me from um, fixing my eyes on any 
particular girl or woman so that I would be faithful to my wife. Prior to me being a Christian, it's a whole nother story. Before we were married, I grew up with the movies, the magazines, all of that. Just coming, coming in hard, okay? God had to change that in my, change my mind, change the way I viewed girls, had to change the way I lived my life. So, Super Bowl's coming up. What's the halftime show going to be about? And I said to myself, that ain't happening, not for me. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say no because that's what I used to be involved in. The Sports Illustrated calendar every year as a young man. Got to get that. Here it comes, coming out. Now, 27 years later, walking with the Lord, I'm not going to go there. And yet you would hear so many people saying, I can't believe the way they danced and I can't believe they did what they did on TV. All I got to say is, let's be wise, folks. If we know it's coming, why are we watching it? Why are we participating in it? Because all it's doing is just feeding fuel to that flesh, which will never be satisfied, ever. That's what the Bible tells us. We have to separate ourselves in practical ways and be wise. Don't engage in those things. And I tell you, I, am, I feel um, so blessed that the Lord gave me the discernment to just say no and not even watch it. And it, it's, not a, um, it's not like the Bible says that weight and sin that I find myself, okay, I got to get up and I've got to try to serve the Lord because I got to tell you, when I first became a Christian, that wasn't something that went away very easily because I wasn't saying no to it. My language changed. Uh, a lot of my actions changed, but I wasn't saying no to that. And I had to realize I had to say no. And I had to ask the Lord to give me the strength and the power to say no. Paul writes, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. And the last thing I'll just share quickly, Paul is telling them to work toward complete holiness. Not to be holy, but holiness, sanctified, set apart for the purposes of God. That's what God wants us to do, that we're purposing in our hearts to be set apart so that God can have that complete work. And we have to let it. Again, as we um, find ourselves back in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, we see it's saying over and over to let these things happen in the life of the believer. The challenge for us is, are we going to let it happen? Are we going to let Jesus come in and change our mind? Are we going to let His mind be in us? Are we going to let God have His way where we think about others before ourselves? Are you going to let Him do that work?
Paul was telling the Corinthian believers, God is speaking to us, and now if we want to go deeper, we have to let these things happen. It's simple, it's straightforward, and we need to let God do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for the power of your word on how it speaks so clearly to deny ungodliness, to deny the works of the flesh, to come out from among that old life, to say no to those things that will keep us from going deeper in our relationship with you, and yes, to the promises that we already have. They're ours to embrace, to strengthen, to empower, to comfort us. God, we pray tonight that you would do such a work in our hearts that we would not be the same person as we were when we came into this place, but that we would be different. And tomorrow, that you would give us the power to say no to those things, to separate ourselves from those conversations that you do not like that we would go deeper. And just like Peter, that we would find ourselves hearing your word. You know, God, it seems that when we find ourselves compromising, that it, it just sears our hearts and it causes a deafening to our ears and we can't hear you when you speak, when you say go, when you say step out in faith. There's too much noise of this world. God, we pray that you would quiet our hearts that you would cleanse us from our sin tonight and that you would put us in a place where there's a willingness to respond when you say, let's go. Let's launch out. Let's go deeper. It doesn't make sense, but I'm with you. Every step of the way, doesn't matter what's in front of us. You're my friend and I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And God, may we just embrace that promise. Thank you for calling us friends. Do a work, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.